This is Telling the Truth with Stuart and Jill Briscoe. Today, Stuart is continuing his series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World. How should and can you think clearly about the church? That's what we'll find out from Stuart in just a moment. In Stuart Briscoe's insightful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World, he helps you understand how God's Spirit works to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you. And through your support today, you can help others experience transformation in their lives as well. We'll say thanks for your gift by sending you a copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World. So call today to request your copy. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Stuart Briscoe with Thinking Clearly About the Church on today's Telling the Truth. When you think of the church, what do you think? We're spending time looking to Romans chapter 12, where the Apostle Paul says that it is necessary for us, if we're not to be pressed into this world's mold, to have renewed minds in this messed up world. Romans chapter 12 verse 4 says this, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You notice the view of the church that the Apostle Paul has is a very striking one. He says that just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. That is his picture of the church. That's how he views the church. He views us as being the body of Christ. Now, I think it would be rather obvious to all of us that if we were to go out into the world and ask for different people's opinions of the church, we would find widely divergent views. There's no shortage of people who regard the church as an irrelevant relic that should simply be ignored. There are the people who regard the church as a respectable institution to be tolerated. It is very respectable that we know that because when they want a respectable wedding, they go to church. And when grandpa dies and they want to give him a respectable send-off, then they send for the minister. And when they have a new little one come on the scene, they want to give the little one a flying start in life, so they take the little one to the church to have some rite performed over it. Some people, however, regard the church as a powerful enemy to be opposed. Down through church history, of course, there's a long list of martyrs. And they were martyred because there were those who saw the church as a threat. And so it's necessary for them to regard the church as an enemy to be overthrown. But what's your attitude about the church? How do you think clearly about the church? Well, the answer, of course, as far as Scripture is concerned, is that we should see the church as the body of Christ and ourselves as belonging to it. So let me talk to you, first of all, about thinking about the body and thinking about belonging. 
What do we mean by this picture, this analogy of the church as the body of Christ? Let me suggest to you two ways in this analogy can be applied. There are others, but for the sake of time, we'll limit ourselves to two. In the beginning, God created Adam. When he created Adam, he created individualism. Subsequently, he created Eve, a woman. As soon as he did that, he created something entirely different. And you can interpret that exactly how you wish. But this is what I mean. When he created Adam, he created an individual. When he created woman, he created community. So God is responsible for both individuality and community. They are divine inventions. You remember that when the fall came, that individuals became estranged from, alienated from God. They fell. Something happened to individuals so that something evil came into their lives and it has been there ever since. That is why human beings created in the image of God have remarkable propensities for good but alarming capabilities for evil. They're both there and we all know it's true. However, when the fall came, not only did individuals find themselves alienated from God, but community, which God had also created, began to fracture and fragment. At the smallest level of community, marriage, clearly the marriage of Adam and Eve got into severe problems. The slightly larger community of family immediately got into problems in that Adam and Eve produced a murderer who murdered his own brother. Things rapidly got worse and it became very obvious that individuals had fallen and community had fragmented. Now then, God deeply concerned about his two aspects of creation, individuality and community, took immediate steps to do something about both. The steps he took to do something about fallen individuals was that he proposed to send Christ into the world to be the savior of individuals. Men and women could be reconciled to God. What did he do about community? He determined that in the midst of fragmenting community, he would create a unique people for himself. A unique community for himself. In the Old Testament, it was the children of Israel. They were to operate uniquely under his principles among peoples who refused to do it. They were to stand out a holy people, a unique people. In the New Testament, we discover the Israel of God is the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, is seen to be not a group of individuals doing their individual thing. The church of Jesus Christ is redeemed individuals coming willingly, joyfully into community, committing themselves to community, understanding that fragmenting community needs to see real community. And that's what the church is intended to be. The second analogy is very significant as well. In exactly the same way that my body is comprised of various members, all of which have their own functions and all of which are prepared to function together in order that I as a person might operate. So Christ has brought individual people to faith in him, puts them collectively into a body in order that they might function not as individuals, but that they might function as a body. Now, how does the body function? Your body is the means whereby you as a spiritual being function in a physical environment. That's important. Let me go over it again. Your body is the means whereby you as a spiritual being function in a physical 
environment. Now listen to this. You are the body of Christ. What does that mean? It means that you, if you are in Christ, are the means whereby a spiritual Christ functions in a physical environment. Now Jesus, when he came down into this world in the what we call the incarnation, assumed a human body. And through that human body, he moved around with all the limitations of a human body. But you remember that he died and rose again, sent forth his spirit. And when he sent forth his spirit, he sent forth his spirit into collections of individuals coming together as communities of believers in places like Ephesus and Rome and Corinth, etc., etc. And they became known as the body of Christ. Thinking clearly about the church. Easier said than done. But Stuart Briscoe is showing us how on today's Telling the Truth, and he'll be back with much more in just a moment. Your support helps Telling the Truth reach across the globe to share the love of God and message of Christ with people everywhere. So call today to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you give to help more people experience life in Christ. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. For many, our smartphones have become our social connection. But we want to help you make a spiritual connection with the Telling the Truth mobile app. You can listen to daily programs, engage in Bible reading plans, journal, and share your thoughts and prayers on the community wall. Get the Telling the Truth app through your app store or log on to tellingthetruth.org slash mobile app. Remember, you can also give to support Telling the Truth on our mobile app. Now, let's return to Stuart Briscoe on today's Telling the Truth for more about thinking clearly about the church. Now, it's the same Spirit of Christ but now no longer limited to one six foot, 180 pound body or whatever it was he had. Now the same spirit of Christ is operating in a little group of people in the vast city of Corinth and another in the critical city of Rome and another in the dreadful situation in Ephesus. And all the time Christ was at work in his body. The point as far as we're concerned is this, that we are one expression of the body of Christ. Which means that you and I collectively, if you're in Christ, are intended to be the means whereby a spiritual Christ functions. We need to ask ourselves, do I see myself as part of that alternative community? Do I see myself as part of the vehicle whereby a spiritual Christ functions in this area of the world? Now, if I see that is true, then notice the second thing that Paul says. Not only says that in the same way that the body has many members, but just one body, so we be many one body, he then goes on to say this, and we belong to one another. The expression here, alone in the Greek, means literally mutuality of experience. If I belong to the body of Christ then there's a mutuality of experience in two ways. Number one, I belong to Christ. Number two, if I belong to Christ, 
There's a very real sense in which I belong to all those who belong to Christ and all who belong to Christ belong to me. There is a sense of belonging. Now we've got to get this straight in our thinking. There's a tiny little expression hidden in this passage. If you're not careful, you'll miss it. Paul says it is in Christ that we who are many are one body. That sounds like gobbledygook, you say. All right, this is what it means. If the wages of sin is death, and I have identified with Christ in his death, then I have died in Christ to my sin. No further condemnation. To prove it, as far as God is concerned, I was buried with Christ. The old has gone. Not only that, I'm raised in Christ. The new has come. So I don't need to worry about my past life. It's dealt with in Christ on the cross. I look forward to my new life, risen with Christ. I'm in Christ. Not only that, in the divine economy, he already sees me perfected, seated in heavenly places in Christ. So now I regard myself not as being in Adam. I regard myself as being in Christ. Now it is people who are in Christ who are members of the body of Christ. Now, look at it this way. If I, baptized into Christ, have identified with a body of Christ, a local expression of it, that local expression of the body of Christ can look at me and say, Stuart, you belong to us. That means we have realistic expectations of you. God has given you to us for specific reasons. You belong to us and we would expect you to fulfill what God had in mind when he gave you to us. And I would say, I'm prepared to accept that. Oh, by the way, God gave you to this body as well, which means in a very real sense, he gave you to me. So, whilst you can have reasonable expectations of me, I hope you don't mind, but I will have reasonable expectations of you. Because we belong to one another. And some of you say, "Uh uh-uh, no. You belong to us, but I don't belong to you. You can't do that. Let's go on, therefore, to the second thing here. But in verse 6, the Apostle Paul now says something that develops this basic idea. Not only does the body have lots of different members, but now he says that the different members have received gifts differing according to the grace of God. Now we need to think clearly, not only about the body and belonging, now we must think about grace and gifts. What does that mean? You remember that in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says, we were justified freely by his grace. Justified freely by his grace. Which means simply... That human beings get right with God, have their sins forgiven, and receive the gift of eternal life, not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, but because God is so incredibly gracious, he offers it to us as a gift in the Lord Jesus. That's grace. So grace justifies us freely. However, we realize that grace is used in a different way in the Bible to show that grace not only justifies us freely, but equips us fully for all that God wants us to be and to do. The church of Jesus Christ has a tendency when it takes seriously her calling to say, oh God, give us the tools and we'll finish the job. And God says, I did. You did, God? You gave us the tools? Oh yes, I did. 
Well, what exactly are they? Oh, I'm glad you asked. The tools that I gave you are very simply this. Every single person who stepped out of Adam into Christ and has become a member of the body of Christ, every single last one of them has been gifted with a spiritual gift. And that spiritually gifted person has now been given as a gift to that body of believers. You have more tools than you can possibly imagine. Think of the crowds of people here. Think of every one of them being gifted. Think of every one of them taking seriously their gifting, looking for the place in which it fits, and exercising it to the glory of God. What would you discover then? You would discover two important things. Not only that grace has a phenomenal impact on our lives in terms of justification and equipping, but you discover the importance of gifts. I'm divinely gifted. I have been uniquely gifted. Every one of us says that. Think of that for a minute. Ask yourself a question. How do I look at the church, the body of Christ? How do I see myself belonging to it? How do I understand gifting? And what have I done about it? Which leads to the third and final thing. And that is we should think about aptitude and attitude. All we need to recognize for our purposes right now is that there are all kinds of different gifts and God gave every one of them. I want to discover what it is that God wants me to do. Look at it this way. If God has given you a spiritual gift for the work of the body of believers, that means that one portion of your week must be set apart to the ministry of the body of believers. You say, I'm too busy. If you're too busy to utilize your spiritual gift for the good of the ministry of the body of believers, you're too busy, period. You are utilizing some area of spiritual ministry time for something less significant at that point. One of the great needs is for us to be looking realistically at our attitudes to the church and the place that we play in it. For quite frankly, very often you'll find that people's attitudes to the church are being pressed into the mold of the world's attitude rather than being governed by a renewed mind. Much more we could say, but I don't have time. There's enough there for us to be thinking about. And now, here's Stuart with some answers to questions about his message today. Stuart, since the fall of man caused the community to be fragmented, what can we do to bring it back together? Yes, when I was talking about the two consequences of the fall, one one being uh, the uh, what happened to the individual and the other what happened to the community, because God created both individuals and community. Um, I, I was I was pointing out that the redemptive work of God is is operating not only on an individual basis but on a corporate or a community basis as well. Uh, and if God redemptively makes human beings into new people, if He begins to work in changing them and restoring them. Uh, more and more into the image of Christ, then by the same token, he wants to do that in the community as well. Now, what role do we play in that? We 
play a role in that by recognizing that the underlying principle of the new community that God is building is a principle of love, where we begin to act in loving, generous uh, generosity and kindness to one another. If this, if, if this is the, uh, the attitude, if this is the way of operating of men and women in community, this community will be remarkably transformed. How does being a Christ follower give us a sense of belonging? Being a follower of Jesus Christ gives you a tremendous sense that you are part of something that is infinitely greater than yourself. The problem for so many people is that the limits of their life uh, end their interests in themselves. They, their, their lives are so limited because, frankly, they're only interested in themselves. My, me, and my, and mine uh, are their favorite words. Listen to their conversation uh, it's primarily, almost exclusively, about themselves. But when I become a follower of Christ, I realize that Christ is involved in something that is so great and so wonderful and so far-reaching, even into eternity, that if I've become a follower of Christ, I have been caught up in the most immense thing ever known to humanity, and it is the redemptive work of God in a fallen world. And he has co-opted me into this activity. He has given me gifts and he's given me grace, and he gives me boundless opportunities to bring about a sense of change and transformation. I belong to the kingdom of God. How are you to process the unnerving events happening all around you in today's world? Does the Bible offer you any hope, help, or guidance? The answer, of course, is yes. Discover how God's Spirit works in you to transform you and renew your thoughts no matter what's going on around you with Stuart Briscoe's powerful six-message series, Thinking Clearly in a Messed-Up World. Drawing from Romans 12, Stuart discusses how you can respond with wisdom and courage in today's most distressing circumstances. You'll discover how the Spirit of God is ever faithful, giving you the grace to think clearly in a messed-up world. We'll send you this series as thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teachings of telling the truth. Generous friends like you keep broadcasts like today's going, often reaching places where the gospel hasn't yet made inroads. So if you've never given before, please consider a gift today to help keep God's word going out around the world. And remember to request your copy of Thinking Clearly in a Messed Up World when you call and give. 1-800-889-5388 1-800-889-5388 or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org Thank you for listening today. Join us again as the Briscoes share more powerful truth from God's Word. Experience abundant life in Christ next time on Telling the Truth.